Filmmaking covers a variety of genres, and during the 1990s, one in particular saw a resurgence, the big-budget disaster flick. It's coming! It's headed right for us! It's already here. For two science-obsessed kids growing up on opposite sides of Pennsylvania, nothing left a bigger impression than Twister. The suck zone. I think we're going in! Join Kelly and Joe as they dissect the second highest grossing film of 1996. We have to breathe, Justin, we have to breathe! Minute by minute. Another cow. Actually, I think that was the same one. And relive one of their favorite movies of all time. No, that, that was a good sized twister. What was that, an F3? Solid F2. Tornado warning continues now. Welcome back to Solid F2 Podcast, a minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie Twister. And we are back here for episode three. We're going to be talking about the third minute of the movie. But before we do that, I think Kelly has a few things to clarify from uh, the first minute or two that we discussed the last few times. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to, to just point out that in uh, minute two, we see a weather man on the television, a meteorologist, um, showing a, a radar image to the viewers and talking about that there was a tornado and that which counties were affected and, you know, to seek shelter. And I just want to point out that while we were correct that that was Gary England, the, the Oklahoma meteorologist, which I believe you brought up yep. in the last episode, um, it was factually incorrect in that as you know, this scene in the movie takes place in June 1969, and radar was not used uh, as part of tornado warnings on television until 1973. And, of course, the man that did that for the first time was, in fact, Gary England. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a, a coincidence. Uh, it's funny to point out that, you know, historically the timeline or chronology doesn't work out, but the man responsible for the first broadcasts was the band that they had used. And we mentioned that he was, he's kind of a big deal. Um, up until just a few years ago, he, he was active uh, forecasting in the Oklahoma area. So yeah, Robert England, um, big, big deal in the meteorology community and uh, has a lot of interesting uh, connections. And, and that certainly was one of them as we were doing our research and getting ready for, for another episode of solid F2. Uh, Kelly found that, uh, Little, Interesting little nugget. nugget of information. Nugget. And it's not the only thing that uh, pops up with, uh, you know, while um, people like, uh, you know, people in the meteorology community were uh, consulted for the film, obviously, to make it um, as accurate as you can with uh, keeping it entertaining. You're going to talk to people that know it best. And the meteorologists seen in the film were consultants as well. Robert was a consultant on the film. But, you know, sometimes you have to stretch the truth or uh, tweak things a bit to make it interesting or relevant. And uh, this is the, the first case being showing tornadoes uh, on television, um, June 1969. Not exactly accurate. Uh, and one that we're going to discuss later 
is um, the Fujita scale, enhanced Fujita scale, you know, talking about F, F2, F3, we hear him talk about actually all of them. And I, I realized as I was doing my research today that each of the tornadoes that they chase or see in the film rapidly gets worse, which I didn't realize that like the first you one hadn't is noticed I that. did not notice <laughs> that. No, it didn't ever occur to me because I guess I didn't realize or if they mention it, it just goes over my head every time I watch it. Like obviously I know the last one was an F five. I don't remember them saying the film the cinema, the drive in was an F four. I didn't know that the one on the hill was an F three. <laughs> well, to be fair, they wouldn't know that. Right, yeah, because you get that you get that after, after. the fact. You they have ba- to go, they the Fuji scale is rate based them based on, on damage. Right. So you can't look at a tornado and say, well, no, that's right an F3. Right. So, I so. mean, that's that's one of those things in the film that I guess you could try to make estimates based on, I mean, I guess they would be ma- using radar size. Like, I don't know what else they would be using from that. Well, you can tell velocity data. from a radar. Okay. It's just, you know, something that most people are familiar with the Fujita scale. F1 through F5, despite its changes over the years, that you have to incorporate into the movie. People are kind of going to expect it, and it gives them something to grab onto. And I just didn't realize that they see five twisters, essentially, and they go one to five. I never, like, it just didn't dawn on me that, because what what did it matter? Eventually, the last one was, of course, going to be the biggest and baddest. I didn't realize the first one was a one that destroys Joe's truck and and whatnot. But the other thing I wanted to mention and correct myself, because I made a mistake of referring to Helen Hunt's character as Joe Harding, which is technically true. That's her married name, though. When mm-hmm. she's a little little kid, that is, I believe it's Thornton family. Right. So she's Joe Thornton. Um, and the mom and dad that we're going to see here and talk about um, is the, the, the Thornton family. It's Bill Harding. Joe becomes Joe Harding once they get married mm-hmm. um, and whatnot. I, I didn't realize that I was mixing up the two. until Maybe uh, Bill should have changed his name to Thornton. Bill Thornton. Nah, I don't, I don't think that was going to happen. Just saying. Be progressive of him. And yeah, in 1996, I definitely was at the forefront of everyone's thoughts. So I'm just saying. Well, continue to say. Is you know there what? I think, else? I think I'm going to change my name back to Ross, and you should be Joey Ross. I mean, you Ross. still get package sent to you as Ross, so. That's fair. How much has changed, really? I changed my name before I uh, got my master's degree so that my master's degree would say Kelly Mays. Respect. <laughs> um, was there anything else that you wanted to point out from the first two episodes that we might have glossed over or, or missed or got wrong? I don't think so, no. So so we're all good there in that regard then, and we can move on to watching episode, or excuse me, minute three, before we talk about the third minute and discuss the happenings from Twister. We're going to start to pick up a little bit here as we have the initial tornado, which is um, the F5 that's going to destroy the Thornton farm, and we're going to see a race towards the cellar. Um, there's going to be some dialogue, and we're going to get to meet um, young Joe and her mother. And, uh, well, let's uh, take a look and a listen to what the third minute of Twister is like. Hey, 
it, Mommy. Come on, sweetie, let's get up. Come on. We need to get down to the storm cellar right now. Okay, come on. Hey, Joe, let's go. Let's go. Come on, sweetie. Come on, honey, hurry. Don't be scared, Joe. Mama's got you. Mama's got you. TV says it's big. Might be in your five. We're going to the storm cellar. I'm a multitasker. Yeah. I can do multiple things at once. Thank you very can much. You? So that was the uh, the third minute of Twister. We're going to jump back here to the two-minute mark and uh, discuss it as it goes on. I'll turn it down a little so we can talk while it plays. And, uh, you know, we start with this, where we left off the last episode with a look at Toby the dog and Joe in her bed oh, being woken up. Creepy clown. <laughs> it is a creepy thing. clown. Right? Is Have that? you ever watched... Uh, the, the movie, the... Night of the, the Twisters? No. Yes. <laughs> Devin Sawa, of yeah. course. No, the Christmas toy. Did you ever watch that with me at the holidays? Uh, no, you know I don't like those kind of movies. No, I know, but the clown that gets frozen and dies, and it looks kind of like that. That's, when I see it, I always think about that. Mm. So. I don't like, um, first of all, if we back up to when she's in her room there. Sure. Uh... First of all, the dubbing of the dad's voice is awful. Uh, yeah, you pointed that out when we were looking at it uh, yesterday. Clearly, he's speaking, and it doesn't line up with the words that you're hearing. They changed the dialogue, or yeah, they didn't like, like the way they he didn't said like it or something. something like that. They dubbed over it in the background. I just want you to watch the dad talking here. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like His lips continue to move and nothing's coming right, out of right. it. It's pretty bad. And now she's like, come on, we got to hurry. We got to hurry. And then she casually walks out of the room holding her child. Yeah. There's no urgency whatsoever as they leave her bedroom. Did you ever think there was a chance that Toby wasn't going to make it? I think he's not going to make it every time. Every I time. also think the dog in Independence Day is Boomer! not going to make it every time. Boomer! Yeah, no, Toby, Toby um, he makes it out there eventually and get a nice... Uh, up close shot of uh, the tornado warning meteorologist talking about it. I do um, feel like the dad should lose his hat here. I mean, if it's windy enough to blow, right? You know, branches down and and her nightgowns flying all over the place, but his hat doesn't. His hat budge. stays on. It's pretty. It's a miracle. Hat a, doesn't. And they used. I don't know if they used it in this scene, but they used jet engines to create some of the wind for the scenes in this movie. So I feel like if you have a jet engine blowing right. your face, your hat's going to come off. Um, that's an odd choice of art for a child's room. Like, oh, I think it's in the hallway, technically. Oh, it's in the hallway? But okay. still, yeah, it's creepy AF. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. Like an old oil painting. I mean, like also. A child in a, maybe in a bassinet or a tub. Wallpaper is hideous. Well, the wallpaper is awful. We, we touched on that last time, but, it, you know. It's the sixties. What do you expect? Joe. Ah, you're right. It is out in the hallway. There's a lot of interesting uh, artwork choices around the room. Yeah, yeah. Trying to see, she has a poster on the wall. I'm trying to see what it is. It looks is it an angel. Yeah. Okay, it's like it's an a... angel. I thought it was maybe for a movie or something. Nope, creepier like, than that. Thought it could possibly be. Um... Oh, it's clearly Fast and the Furious Three. 
Oh, is that what it is? And that did come out in June 1969, so. Right, right. Yeah. Now, we're introduced to the, for the first time to the mother and uh, young Joe. Obviously, older Joe is played by Helen Hunt. But younger Joe, I found out, and you knew who it was right away when I when I said it, was is played by Alexa Panavega, who you know from, what was it that she was in some of the Disney She shows? was in Spy Kids. Now, okay. I've never seen Spy Kids, but I, I, that's what I know she became famous for. She was much younger. Um, she was a, a child actor at the time. I, I imagine it was just, you know, a few years after this movie was made. She was probably an early teen when she did that, and now she's grown and has a child of her own. Um, but, yes, she... Yeah, and I realized when I saw the name that I knew her from the uh, the holiday movies that we've been watching over the years on Hallmark Channel, she's started to become a, a regular on those. She's been on a few of them, at least. I think she's been on the non-holiday ones, which we don't tend to watch that much of. But, uh, yeah, so very young Alex Panavega... She's a cute kid. ...is playing... Uh, Joe, Joe Thornton. So, you know, I think she's probably about, what do you think she is, like seven, eight here? Um, yeah, Something I like would that. say that. Yeah, like early elementary school age. And um, then we also saw uh, Mrs. Thornton here. Um, as right. Kelly mentioned, uh, she's got her hair flying in the wind and whatnot. But... Uh, I believe uh, the actress that plays Mrs. Thornton uh, guest starred, or did it did a spot on uh, Supernatural? Oh, really? Okay. Now it, it's played. She's Mrs. Thornton is played by Rusty Schwimmer. Can you um, see her? Let me see if I can pull up. The only other thing that I took notice of on her filmography right away was she was in The Perfect Storm, which I, I've seen. It, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, um, but she she doesn't ever seem to be the main. No, person, no. but she has a lot of side roles. Um, she's been in Lucifer, which I know you watched. Uh, Grey's Anatomy. She's in Lucifer? Yeah. Who Roberta Belliard. Oh, yeah. You realize now you have that glass breaking moment. She's huh? a bad guy. And now I'm wondering. Oh, bad guy. And now oh, I'm wondering if I'm thinking of her and of that show and not Supernatural. Mm, possibly. I mean, but Supernatural's been on for a long time. Um, right. So, like, so Twister came out in 1996. Um, she's been in a lot of stuff since then. Um, she was also on Chicago Hope uh, leading up to her performance in Twister, uh, Ally McBeal, Amistad, Almost Heroes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was thinking of you Lucifer were thinking of Lucifer and not. Um, I, I mentioned the perfect storm. That's probably the only other thing that I saw her in. Um, she was also on the TV series Six Feet Under and Arliss, which are are, are pretty big. Um, but uh, she's also had a few few appearances on Gilmore Girls, which um, if I've seen her in the background, Corinne watches that show all the time. Um, but nothing nothing too significant um, that really jumps out at me. But Ooh, we're going to see her on a Criminal Minds. There, you see that? Uh, yes, you're right. In 2007, so probably around season four, she's going to make an appearance. Um, I wonder if we'll be able to pick her out or not. But it's interesting to me that she was in someone evil on uh, on Lucifer because um, she's very, very motherly in the very <laughs> limited amount that we get to see her in Twister. Um, but although I think you're going to have some uh, 
something to say about her in the next minute that we get to uh, during the uh, the shelter part where. Oh yeah, I've got <laughs> thoughts about that entire scene. Of course, this is obviously not uh, negative against the actress. It's uh, no, but the character, the way the character is uh, portrayed, or the way they wrote her part, um, maybe leaves a little to be desired. But uh, how about the uh, the effects going on? The, the way the storm is portrayed, and there's a super strobe, crazy amount of lightning going on. Uh, here it actually, I believe they're going to have a lightning strike the silo or is it a barn over the uh, character's left shoulders as they're running away and out of the house. It's, uh, it's quite, quite bright, quite intimidating. Uh, is it, maybe it hits, it, a tree? it hits a tree and the tree falls. The tree sparks, then they show sparks coming off the silo. So in that general area that we talked about on the, on the minute two episode last time and, uh. And that's it. So most of it is just them running down the stairs, leaving Joe's bedroom. Yeah, she took that clown doll with her, but she, she didn't did. like call the dog until they were halfway out the door. Was it really? I, I, I mean, she seemed pretty concerned about Toby for most of the time. I don't know that we can hold it against her all that much. I can. You well. No child would sleep through that storm with their windows open, and her windows are open. They are very much open, yes. Curtains are blowing. Joe, come on. Is it, Mommy? Come on, sweetie, let's get up. Come Don't on. think the house has central air, so. Really? We Mom's need to get down to Stormzilla right now. Okay, come on. Take Joe, let's go, let's go. Come on, sweetie. You don't need to yell, take Joe. She's already holding her. Such a mansplainer. Let me tell you how to save our child. Take her, take her. I'm already holding her. She was she was not halfway down the stairs. They were fully down the stairs. Just saying. I think I said halfway out the door, but still. Oh, did, I think it's the stairs. At any rate, she didn't seem concerned soon enough. Nobody did. No one cares about the chickens. No, they don't care at all. They're like, get out of the way. I wonder if one of the things they're showing is like there's a oil tank there that's yeah. probably combustible. I did read um, today, uh, we talked about Jan de Bont a little bit on the last episode, and you mentioning that he got into um, some disagreements on the movie he was working on, which was Godzilla, to leave and come and work on Twister. It was actually Jan who insisted that the production be actually filmed in Oklahoma. They were going to film it in California. Oh, because it's a known hotspot for... Right, for tornadoes. They don't even have the right terrain I, like, for well that, filming When you get that. into production companies and stuff like that, everyone's thinking about saving money. So they wanted to find, I guess, fields in California to film in, but Jan DeBont said, no, we're going to Oklahoma. You would have never gotten those panoramic no, and, and sweeping no, shots that exactly. were taken the, from an aerial view the, of the fields. The cinematography would have not been what we got. And what no. we got was exactly what you'd expect what you want is a, is a sweeping view of a small farm in california with the sierra nevadas in the background <laughs> yeah right. um so but you really can't ever question what the uh executives are thinking when it comes to money they're always going to think bottom dollar of course it proved to be a raging success for him to do what he did because the movie while it was critically 50 50 i think it holds like a 58 or something like that on rotten tomatoes 
it was a commercial success. Twister made nearly, I think it was $500 million and the budget wasn't even a hundred million. So for, um, you know, everything that, uh, Warner brothers, Amblin or whoever was footing a lot of the bills, they made their money. They, they got it all back and then some, so it was just goes uh, to show it's not always what Roger Ebert thinks is good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know I don't know if Ebert was one that detra- was a tra- detractor or not, but I feel like he, he generally pans all the movies I like. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty safe to say he didn't love this movie. Yeah. But a lot of uh a lot of good stuff um in the uh this uh the third minute here again not an overwhelming amount of stuff, but we finally got to meet the whole family and we get that uh, set up for Joe's character arc throughout the film or the lead up to the big moment that's going to drive that, um, which may come to a head on the next episode. If not episode four, it'll definitely be in episode five. So I don't think he even got to drink his coffee. No, his his 930 at night cup of coffee. huh? He just had to have that cup of Joe. One last cup of Joe and he was denied. A cup of. Cuppa. So we, we do hear him say them talking about it. it's a big one, maybe an F5. Again, I don't know how often they would be saying that. Well, they wouldn't be saying it all in 1969. Right. The, That's true. The right? Fujita scale came about in 1971. Ted yeah. Fujita and Alan Pearson uh, created that. So this is two years too early to even consider and it was about the size of a tornado 30 years after that that i believe it changed about 30 35 years yeah was something around two, there early it be- mid-2000s? became the enhanced fujita scale because as you see they're like right before we got to penn state or even maybe while we were there i because I, I remember the, the the change happening around that time it was relatively new when yeah it we was were, pretty it was relatively new we were when, there, when but, we were getting our meteorology degrees yeah so. they, they didn't they didn't fact check that one too yeah, hard when they wrote things. the script. But I think it's I'll forgive it because it's Michael Crichton and he can do no right. wrong. Uh, Michael Crichton and his uh, wife at the time were paid two and a half million dollars to write the the movie, and uh, he'd have done it for free. Yeah, what yeah, a guy! Totally. Um, but uh, you know, I know we mentioned Michael Crichton and his wife were, had written it. Um, did we ever? Do we mention that Spielberg was a producer? No, this is I don't Steven believe we've Spielberg. mentioned it now. Steven Spielberg was a part of the production crew. Um, he was an executive producer, which I think in filmmaking terms means less hands-on and more here's some money type of thing. Um, but the uh, hands-on producers were Michael Crichton, who, who wrote it, um, but also Kathleen Kennedy, who is involved in a lot of uh, Spielberg products and now is uh, president of Lucasfilm. And she's done a lot of things, including the Indiana Jones franchise, which is one of our favorites as well. So... Uh, do you have anything else to say about this this third minute uh, of action here? Well, at the very end of this minute, you see them approaching their storm cellar. I never liked how their doors looked. The storm cellar doors? The storm door? cellar doors. They look so flim- it looks like someone took old refrigerator doors with like a window in it. It looks as though a tornado it's, could rip it off its, off, its, off its hinges. Well, yes, and I'm sure we'll address this in the next minute, that they have one little latch that keeps <laughs> the door shut. If you just back away from the door, just back away, man. Back away. But, yeah. I just don't like the look of their doors. That's all. All right. Rest in peace, chickens. <laughs> They're gone. R.I.P. Off to uh, the big field in the sky. Big KFC bucket in the sky. Yeah. If the breading fits. All right. On that note. <laughs> <laughs>
on that, on that note, we're going to end episode three. And um, we'll be back for minute four on the fourth episode as we plug along and slowly make our way through this uh, like prelude to the main story. But How it's coming quickly. How long is quickly. this movie? Yeah, this is going to take a while. Yeah. This is going to take a while. It's, How long uh, have we been in quarantine? It's essentially, well, we've been in quarantine for five weeks. Uh, we started quarantine. this too late. Well, it took, <laughs> takes time to develop and move along. I mean, we weren't going to get the entire movie done in a few weeks or a few months. Like, this is going to take a while. Not with that attitude, we won't. Honestly, what I would hope to do is get the majority of it. I don't think all of it especially because things get busier as the year progresses. But I would like to be through a good chunk of it by the time next May rolls around, because that is the 25th anniversary of the film. Okay. That, that's my plan. I don't know what your plans are. I don't make plans for I'm, podcasts. I'm aware. There's no plans. Nothing's thought up. All right. You done? Yeah. You're done. Okay. All right. That's it for minute three. We'll be back for minute four next time. Thanks for listening to the Solid F2 Podcast. A minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie Twister. That's all for this week. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SolidF2Pod. Solid F2 Podcast is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. Visit jmnjrradio.com for more. Two, one, two, one.